kind of cool to have music playing when you get up, right? It's like, all right, here we go. It's a little bit awkward. Awesome. Hey, happy Sunday to you. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, thank you, Doyle family, for reading from Isaiah. What a great, timeless word. Um, as Angelo alluded to, we're in this thing called God, this, the, the Advent Conspiracy, and the ideal is that we're going to, to flip uh, the cultural way that we've done Christmas for a while, at least maybe challenge it a little bit and look at Christmas um, I think in a different way than perhaps maybe we have. Maybe it's a reminder, maybe it's a refresher, maybe it's an encourager that we look at Christmas a little differently. Uh, several years ago, several churches joined together. A couple of pastors wrote this book called Advent Conspiracy. I recommend it to you. It's a great uh, family devotion type book that runs through many chapters. There are four primary elements to that. We're going to talk about one of those this morning. Uh, before I get too deep into that, though, let's let's reminisce a little bit. Let's think about um, uh, the best Christmas we ever had. What's the best Christmas you ever had? And I want you I want you to really think about that because it, there, there's so many answers to that question about what the best Christmas I ever had was. It was the Christmas when such and such came to visit. It was also the Christmas where such and such did not come to visit. Um, it, it was the Christmas where I did get this gift or the Christmas where I did not get this gift. It was the Christmas where... Mom and dad planned everything out, and it failed miserably, and we had the greatest time making up for all of the plans that fell apart. What, what was the best Christmas that, that you ever had? Do you, do you remember what that was? Yeah, a couple? Are some of your memories coming back to people or places or experiences or gifts or all that other stuff? I, I can just tell you, one of my favorite Christmases was the year that I got the RoboForce. I, I, I've got a picture of this. Some of you may not know what this is, but, but this is the RoboForce, and these were awesome. There were these little robots that had these suction cups on the bottom of them, and they, had like, they were like bendy straws for arms and everything, and then the, the suction cups attached to this thing that looked kind of like a, an RV sewer hose. Uh, they were really cool. They all had these different personalities. They had like a good side and a bad side. They'd battle each other. And I'd walk around the house sticking stuff. We had this big sliding glass door. And I would stick them on the sliding glass door, which meant you licked it first. And then you stuck it on the sliding glass door. Mom loved it. It was awesome. You know, she just thought it was great seeing all these spit rings on the sliding glass door when company would come over. And, you know, she didn't barely have the, the, the umption to say, I'm just so proud of him. He's entertaining himself, right? This, by the way, and kids, uh, don't be alarmed, but this is when we only had five channels. Uh, ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, and PBS. Yeah, yeah, I mean, hours of good entertainment. Reading Rainbow, LeVar Burton, you all remember all that? I, I'm talking some of y'all's language right now. Uh, this is when you yelled at the TV and it didn't do anything versus now it changes all kinds of stuff, right, whenever you do that. It's a, it's a whole new world. But, but I remember that Christmas because I really, really wanted that. And the reason why I really, really wanted the RoboForce is because nobody else had it. Because everybody else's moms apparently thought that, that, that spit circles on the window was a bad idea. But I really wanted that. And because I wanted it and I got it, that I allowed my friends to come over and then they would come over and play. And here's kind of what happened after that. After I got some of these toys, my friends started really needling their mom and dad. Oh, I want these too because John doesn't have this one. I can have this one. I can go over to his house and play, and my robo thing can, can beat up his, right? This is how boys play, by the way, right? For those of you who, who aren't blessed with that, that's, that's kind of how it is. But I, I remember that, but I can't tell you what year it was. 
I'm not even sure wh- where we were living at the time because we moved a lot when I was a kid. We were often in a travel trailer, which meant that it could go anywhere <laughs> from Alabama to Texas to Louisiana. I, I'm not really sure where it was. I know I was somewhere between 8 and 10 years old. I could have been 16, but that's a different story. <laughs> but, but I just remember that that was a memorable Christmas for me. But, but, but just listen to what I'm saying now. I don't remember. It really wasn't that memorable. Those types of things really didn't matter. Those toys are old. They're vintage now. They're plastic if they work at all. I think I still have them actually in a shoebox at home, just to be honest with you. My, my mom had this idea that I'll save it for my grandkids. <laughs> Some of you parents probably are laughing about that now. You've been there. But this is the season of Advent, as Angelo alluded to, and as we're looking at the, the Advent conspiracy. And the idea of Advent was the, the expectation of the coming of the Messiah, and once he got here, the, the, the ideal of Advent now is, the, is the, the future return of the Messiah, coming back to call his people. And, and that's really why we celebrate Christmas. It, it's so interesting that, that Scripture, in all of Scripture, we're never commanded to remember his birth, but we're commanded to remember his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It, it's a really odd thing that we Christians do, that we, we, we grab all of these pagan philosophies and ideals and we... We decorate trees with ornaments and put lights on them. Thank goodness we're not putting actual candles on them anymore. But none of that's in the Bible, by the way. And so if you have a tree, you're an idol worshiper, and you should take care of that thing right now when you get home. I'm not saying that, okay? I mean, I know churches, and I know church members. I don't know if we have any here or not. I really don't care. but, But if there was a Christmas tree on the stage, they would be flipping out right now, man. Can you believe the church would bring those symbols in? You know, into the church, by the way, it's not the building, it's the, it's the people. That's what the church is, just so you know. And I'm not opposed to Christmas trees, and I'm not opposed to garland. I'm not opposed to a lot of that until I have to start decorating and putting this stuff away. My house looks like Santa Claus exploded. There's stuff everywhere. Some of you have been in my home, you know. I literally could turn all the lights, Christmas lights on my phone right now. I'm kind of geeking out on that sort of stuff. I know every day when it's 545 because all of a sudden I hear this click and the whole house lights up. You know, it's like the, the character when she went to the garage and plugged everything in and all the lights came. That's 545 every day at my house. I, I know that. I, I look for that. But there's symbols in all of those things, the lighting the relighting of the temple, the, the Jews can look back at. That's what, where they actually get Hanukkah from and, and part of that. And, and the eight days of celebration and, 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 and the Messiah that was to come and God being the light of the world. There's all kinds of beautiful symbolism and even the things that we use as, as pagan things. But, but the, the real ideal of Advent is, is the expectation of the one who's coming to save us all. And we miss out on that during this, this Advent season or this Christmas season or this holiday season. Some of you have heard me tell before that I used to work for Lowe's, and I was at Lowe's the year they decided to call it a holiday tree instead of a Christmas tree. I'm not really sure what other, other than Arbor Day, I'm not sure who else celebrates with a tree. I remember talking to a customer about that. I just can't believe you people aren't going to, you know, call it a Christmas tree and da-da-da. I mean, just going there, and I said, ma'am, are you, are you a Christian? Oh, yes, I'm a Christian. Great. I'm really having a hard time, ma'am, understanding your anger towards me as a Christian. I myself am also a Christ follower. Says, and I'm, I'm also having difficulty in understanding where we violated the scripture and calling it a holiday tree when the scripture clearly calls it a Christmas tree. Could you help me find that? 
I've matured since then. I hope you understand that. That's been a while. <laughs> we look forward to presents under the tree. We look forward to family coming over. We look forward to the meal or the foods that we don't get to eat the rest of the year. I don't know why that is, by the way. Christmas cookies are always good. Amen, right? I mean, I don't, I don't get it. You eat turkey sandwiches all year long, but you get all excited about Thanksgiving. I don't know what's, you know. Somebody else is even cooking the turkey for you. What do you look forward to, though, at Christmas time? What, what, what experience do you want to have this year regarding Christmas or the advent or the expectation of the return of Jesus Christ? Would it not be amazing if on December 25th that we didn't hear click, click, click up on the rooftop, but we heard the sounds of trumpets blowing and the sounds like mighty rushing winds and the saints being called up to meet him in the sky. Would that not be an amazing Christmas gift for some of us? I, I don't know, but the older I get, the more I anticipate the return of the Lord. There are days that I just really want him to come back because of all my troubles and all my issues and all my, my pain and all, my, all that stuff. I want him just to come back to deal with that. There are other days I just want to be near him. And, and I, I just want him to come back. Our Jewish friends missed it. When the, 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 the Savior child was born, they didn't get it. They, many still today don't get it. But those of us who proclaim Christ and miss out on the celebration of the wonder of the gift of salvation for all mankind that came the first time and is going to come back and call upon those who he's redeemed for his very own, we should anticipate that. We should look forward to that with great expectations, similar to that of a child who just can't wait to wake up on Christmas morning and see the greatest gift of all is laying there for him. As we go through this Advent conspiracy, there, like I told you there is a book you can go and get. I want to share a, a couple of quotes from them this morning. One it tells us this says, The Advent season is our chance to celebrate the wondrous moment when God entered our world to make things right. It's a season of worship. Now, I love that we sang Christmas songs this morning. If you missed any of them or you were late coming in or you weren't sure what songs they are, just turn on KSBJ. They will play them 100,000 times between now and noon, I promise you. They'll just keep playing them over and over and over again. And so I get overdone with Christmas songs sometimes. I get overdone with some Christmas songs because there's nothing to do with Jesus in them at all. And yeah, they're joyful, you know. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. You got issues, Bing, okay? I'm dreaming of a Jesus coming back. That's what I want to hear. It's a great song. It's catchy. I get all that stuff. We think about those nostalgic times, the warm fuzzies, the fireplace. It's 80 degrees, by the way, just so you all know today. You turn it on your TV, right? But this Advent season, this expectation of a Christ returning for his people, the, the expectation that he would come the very first time, it's an opportunity for us to worship you know, they, they, they say flippantly that, that Easter is the Super Bowl for Christians. Now, I hate that term. I really do. I, I don't care for it at all. This is your big day, right? Every day that we're alive is our big day for Christianity. Every single day because we have the promise and the knowledge that the Lord Jesus Christ came in an amazing way and we didn't deserve it and he's got purpose for us and he's coming back. And that's good news. 
It shouldn't frighten you if you're in right place with God. But it should burden you if there are others around you who are not. And so the Advent season is a season of worship for us. And so my question this morning is, what is worship? What is worship? What does it really mean for me to worship God? What does it really mean? I mean, we worship so many other things almost by accident or by habit. But what does it mean to worship? A a simple working definition for us this morning is that worship is simply our response to God for who he is and what he's done for us. I have said before, I think that that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I think that'll be like a a spiritual reflex on some level. But worship is this intentionality that I acknowledge who God is and what he has done for me. I acknowledge that he is the supreme ruler of the universe, that he spoke everything into existence, that he saw what he had made and it was good, and he saw man and it was very good. And he said, I want to dwell with that humanity forever and ever and I want them to be in my presence and I want to be in their presence and I want to set them right and I want to make sure that they're willing and able and capable of standing in my presence and I love them so much that I gave them choice and some of them chose evil and some of them are choosing back but there's no real way to get back but I love them so much I'm going to send them my one and only son as a perfect sacrifice and they will worship him forever and ever and he will be the ruler of all things But they'll choose to worship him. And he'll be available for everybody. And so as we think about the the hustle and the bustle and the the click and the clack of of ordering online because nobody goes to stores anymore, when you hear the the, the revving of the prime van and the the squealing of the brakes, when you see the the on-ramp like pit row over here at the Amazon place and you just think, man, what is the craziness of this? That's Christmas, right? Oh, Christmas, what I love so much about it is all the hustle and bustle and the crazy and the people yelling at each other and the fights and the limited quantities. Just wait till you hear this one. I'm sorry, man, that's all we have. The rest of them are setting on a supply ship off the coast somewhere. Well, you've just ruined my whole Christmas. Really? My line of thinking is, you just saved me some money. (laughs) What does it mean to really worship? How do we really respond to God for who he is, who he always is, who he unchangingly is, and what has he done for us? This morning, I'm going to read a series of, of passages for you, but I want you to hear me clearly before you think that I'm just going to be hammering on Christmas and telling you that you're all a bunch of crazy, over-hyper-capitalists. Make sure you heard me right there. That it's all about spending and spending and spending, and, well, we spent this much last year. You may or may not have had this conversation. We spent this much last year. We could at least do this much, or we bought this many gifts, this or that person got this, or whatever the case may be. I, I, I know those are real conversations. But I'm going to encourage you that as we look at this Advent season, as this Christmas season, as we look at what it means to really worship God, that, that we do what, what one of the writers of, of the Advent Conspiracy said. Understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. This is not about anger, disgust, or guilt. It's about entering the story of Jesus more deeply with a, a desire to worship more fully. It's not enough to say no to the way Christmas is celebrated by many. We need to say yes to a different way of celebrating. If for no other reason, wouldn't it be awesome just to say, no kids, we're not going to buy anything this year. We're just going to worship Jesus. What? 
that's crazy talk. I worship Jesus best like this. A-A-B-C backslash. Some of you don't get that. That's a video game controller. What does it mean to worship? It means to respond to God for who he is and what he's done for us. And throughout scripture this morning, I'm going to read a lot of scripture. You're welcome to turn with me if you want. I'm not going to put it all on the board this morning, but I want you to, to, to think about what it means to enter into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, to worship him this Advent season. And I want, I want to show you a couple of different people from the scripture who showed us exactly what that means. And the first, I think, is Mary, who worshiped personally. I encourage you to write these down if you want. I, I did put the references up there, but just listen to, to how Mary worshiped personally. Now, Mary was approached by an angel, and she says, as a teenager, you're going to become pregnant, and you're going to bear the Son of God. It says this in Luke chapter 1, verse 46. It says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those in humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Listen to what Mary said there. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in my Savior. I wonder, was she like an expectant mom with her hand on her tummy? My soul rejoices in God my Savior. My soul rejoices. She worshiped personally, as each and every one of us should always, but especially during this time of year. To worship means to respond to God for who he is and what he's done for me and to to take a moment and just say, God loved me so much that he caused this strange thing to happen. And the, the, the foundational belief of Christianity is the virgin birth. It's, it's one of those things that has to happen, that God came down, he was fully God and fully man, and he did so so that we might be blessed and that the nations, particularly Israel, would remember his mercy that he promised to Abraham and he fulfilled his promises. And so I worship him personally because he loved me so much that he made a way for me to stand before his presence. And to be recognized as loved and cherished, not as an abomination. That his judgment upon me was filled with mercy and grace. He did that for me. And he used this teenage girl in such a strange way in this little town of nowhere. So that we might worship him fully. So that we may call him the King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. I don't know what your expectation is this Advent season, but Jesus is coming back. It's a good idea to start practicing worship now instead of waiting for him to get here. It's a good opportunity for us this season to look at all the lights and the trees and the gift buying and the pleasantries and the smiles and the happiness and the the billion dollars worth of gift cards that we'll buy that nobody will use because we really don't know them that well. Maybe that's just me. 
it might be a little bit better to invite people into a worshipful attitude by just letting them witness yours, by letting them see you, by maybe when you do see this amazing display of Christmas lights or, or somebody's beautiful tree, you just think, you know what, oh, that's really, really beautiful, but it's nothing compared to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's He that I worship this holiday season. It's He that I worship this Advent. It's He that I can't wait to come back for. That He will judge both the living and the dead, but I choose to worship Jesus. As Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. You know, for the hustle and bustle and the happy time of year, I don't know about you, but it's a little hard to worship sometimes with all the stress. It's a little hard to worship when you're worrying about how someone may or may not receive your gift. It's a little hard to worship when you're too worried about if someone is or isn't coming home or you're worried about what we may talk about during these conversations with us when really what people need to see and what you need to do privately and publicly is you need to let your soul magnify the Lord. You need to take time to personally worship just as Mary did. Mary's sure she had her conversation with the angel back and forth. How could this be? Why am I worthy? What is the purpose of this? I love that when she went to visit her cousin, that John the Baptist, who was a few months older, left in his mother's womb. He began to also worship before he even met Jesus face to face. Mary worshiped personally just as we can. I want to share with you that the, the shepherds worshiped radically. This is a Christmas story that many of us read, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And it says, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the angels went away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, this is crazy, this is radical. Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. The radical nature of the worship of the shepherd was that they left their sheep. And shepherds don't do that. They perhaps were probably shepherding the king's sheep, being in Bethlehem. That's where the, the king's stables were kept. That's where all the sheep that would go to his table or for, would go to sacrifices were kept in that region. It's possible that this, these lowly shepherds, these dirty, smelling shepherds, said, this angel appeared to us, and the most important thing for us right now is no longer these sheep who a shepherd would put his life down for. It's no longer these sheep. It's to go and worship this king that the angels made known to us as God's messengers. Let's radically do something different this time of year. Whenever something so exciting and so amazing happens, let's go see this for ourselves through the truth of God's word, and let's tell everybody about it. The scripture goes on to say that as they told everybody about it, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. 
They were amazed. They got such a precious gift like a robot with bendy straw arms. They told everybody about it. They told their people that the promises that were made to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and to all the patriarchs before, that in this child the promise was fulfilled for all mankind. And they worshipped radically. Now they didn't just drop everything forever. They went back, verified it, saw what was happening, and they went back to what they were doing. And I bet that night they had a crazy conversation. Hey, Micah. Yeah, Jonah. Did angels just appear to us? Yeah, man, I thought that was just me. No, man. Did we actually leave our sheep? Yeah. That's crazy. And they were fine. Who cares, man? We just saw the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Wrapped up in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. The Savior of all mankind is just right over there in a lowly birth. Who cares about these sheep? The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world is born to us today. That's radical. That says that there's not a gift on earth that matches what Christ did for us. Who voluntarily left heaven for earth to be fully God and fully man, to walk this earth sinlessly and to come lowly through an unwed mother. Man, that's radical, isn't it? Who cares what you get for Christmas? Who cares what you buy somebody for Christmas? Who cares how much you spend? I care about who you're worshiping. Would you consider just maybe for a moment that I might worship personally and I might worship radically in such a way that I don't have to diss on Christmas and I don't have to point fingers at everybody who's doing all this other stuff? Hey, they're wrapped up in the commercialization of the reality that is just America, okay? But it... It's only monetary for Americans, but all over the rest of this world, there are people who still aren't worshiping the newborn king because they don't know. They didn't do what the shepherds did. They didn't say that I know this God has appeared to me and showed me the truth, so I'm going to go tell everybody about this truth. And part of my worship is that it, it elicits a response to me for who God is and what he's done for me. And it's so good, I want everybody to know it. And I actually don't even care if it costs me my job. That's radical. That's what the shepherds did. They walked off the job. And why do they do so? Because believe it or not, even at Christmas time, there is something bigger than your job, and his name is Jesus. And people need to hear that. Let's look at the Magi for a moment. Matthew chapter 2, verse 7 through 12, the, the Magi worshipped expectantly. Scripture tells us that Herod summoned the wise men secretly in a ascertain from them what time the star had appeared and he sent them to bethlehem saying go and search diligently for the child and when you found him bring me word that i too may come and worship him after listening to the king they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was and when they saw the star they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy and going into the house they saw the child with mary his mother they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Okay, I have to confess. When I read this passage of scripture and I think about 
what the scripture actually said, and I see the nativity scenes with the wise men right up close. I think, I'm not sure that's really how that happened. Maybe two years later, we know that Herod would go on to think that he's found where this child is, and he'll end up killing babies. And it doesn't matter if it was one or 5,000, it's one too many. Thinking that he could thwart the plans of God, that he could take out this, this helpless, defenseless child. But the Magi, the Magi did what many of us attempt to do when we take a Christmas vacation or go to see family. Everybody goes through the packing list, right? You got this, right? You've got this. Did you pack this? Did you pack this? And if you've got kids, I know some of you are bold enough to think, oh, my kids pack themselves. That's crazy talk. I don't know why you do that. (laughs) Because you know what's going to happen. There's a Walmart in every town, and you're going to hit it. And guess what? Whatever your kid forgot, CVS is open 24-7. And you're going to hit that. That's where you're going to get some of your best Christmas gifts, by the way. And you know this to be true. Because that's where you go on the way to whoever's house you don't know real well, but you've been invited because you didn't go expecting much. So CVS is on the way, right? That's when they make their money. The Magi said, we're going to go and we're going to go find this Messiah, this Christ child. And we're going to pack with us everything that's worthy of a king. We're going to take that with us, and no matter what the intercept is, no matter what the cutoff is, no matter who gets in the way or tries to slow us down or do whatever, we're going to continue on the path, and we're going to go worship expectantly. We're not going to take the gold and the frankincense and myrrh with us, some of the most valuable things of the day. We're not going to take this stuff with us expecting not to find who we're looking for. We're going to go worship him expectantly. We should expect to experience and encounter the living God when we worship Him fully. We should expect for Him to respond back to us when we respond to Him for who He is and what He's done for us. We should have that expectation that there's a God who loves us so much that He put in our calendar year after year the remembrance of what He did for us and why He did it. We should expect that there's going to be those who aren't going to believe. There's going to be those who are going to look at whatever it is we celebrate. They're going to look at it in a different way and just see it as gift-giving and, 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 and gorging ourselves on too much food and Christmas parties and all this stuff. We should expect that people are going to view this differently if we're not worshiping the one true God when it comes time for Christmas. The Magi were not going to be distracted They were going to give to to the king of kings gold, which they would need, and frankincense and myrrh, which were often used in preparation for burial. What a strange gift to give to a child whose sole purpose was to be born, to walk sinlessly, and to climb up a hill and be nailed to a cross for all mankind. The Magi expected to see a king. If you were to take a deep breath at Christmas time, to take a break and let some of the stress, do you expect everybody to be satisfied with their gifts? Do you expect everybody to be happy with the other experiences? Or do you expect them to experience Jesus? To worship him fully, to respond to him for who he is and what he's done for you. I gotta be honest with you, I don't really like this time of year. I've shared that with some of you before. As a young man, I got bounced around back and forth between parents at holidays as a child of divorce, as many of us are. And then I went into retail, and so that meant every Black Friday was just the opportunity for the crazies to come out. And then license to continue to be so all the way through. And it doesn't end there because right after Christmas is return season, and that's always fun too. 
this broke. I don't like it. I've already got one like this. I got two of them. And so I, I, I'm not all worked up about Christmas that way because I've lived on the other side of the commercialization of Christmas. You know, the Merry Christmas. Can't say that. Holiday trees. Oh, no, 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 Christmas tree. Do you not have Hanukkah gifts? It's crazy sometimes. Our expectations are all about me, 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 and it's not about putting the expectation on the Christ who died for us. Be like the Magi. Look at all those other things, put them in their right perspective and say, you know what? I'm going to give gifts. I'm going to receive gifts. I'm going to spend time with family and friends, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to worship personally. I'm going to worship radically. I'm going to worship with expectation. That's what we can do individually on our own point I want to share with you this morning is that we get to worship hopefully. I was watching a, another sermon this week about something completely different and the pastor brought out this passage of scripture and it really spoke to my heart. It's a familiar one for me, but it really spoke to my heart. Ephesians chapter 2, the idea that we get to worship hopefully. The scripture says, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the households of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being himself joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Church, I think this is a wonderful reminder for us to understand that, that, that this you in this passage in Ephesians is not talking to an individual, it's talking to the church, to the body of Christ. And we get to worship hopefully. Advent ought to be an expectation that our Jesus is going to come back, and when he comes back, he's going to find me in right place with him. He's going to find me doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing. He's not just going to find me celebrating for one day. He's going to find me worshiping him fully always. He's going to find the attitude of my heart is to look out for those who don't know him, those who are near to him, and those who are far from him, as this passage says, and that he came to preach that peace. And in me, as part of the body, as part of the church, we are declared to do so. As the passage was read this morning for the Advent lighting, that the Prince of Peace was one of his names. And the Prince of Peace knows only that, and that's what he preached to those who were far off and those who were near. Our worship, particularly for those within the body of Christ, for what we do and how we do it ought to be about magnifying the Lord Jesus Christ, about bringing him up above all the things. That doesn't mean we can't celebrate Christmas. That doesn't mean we can't do this. That doesn't mean we can't do these different things. It means that all those elements are just something we do. is not who we worship, and his name is Jesus. And we have an opportunity this Advent season to worship him fully in all that we do. And that might mean that we do have to do some things radically. That might mean that we've got to come to some individual assumptions and overwhelm them in our own hearts. We might have to make some changes. And so to this, I might challenge you, how can we keep Christ as the focus of our worship this Christmas? I think first and foremost, we need to remember why he came for you. This really is the reason why we celebrate Christmas. Without the virgin birth, it's just another baby being born. Without God with us, without Emmanuel, it's just another baby being born. I mean, let's face it, some of you are pretty special. 
but we don't get this excited about your birth. Right? Historically, Jesus was a special person, but there's a reason why he was special. He was special from the very beginning. We need to remember why he came for us individually. We need to remember why he came for others, why he placed us to continue to preach peace for those who are far and those who are near. We need to remember that this time of year that that the gifts we give are nothing in comparison to the gift that was given to us because we needed a way back. We needed a celebration. We needed to know that there was a God who desired to dwell with all of humanity. And finally, we need to help others prepare for his return. See, Advent is about that expectation of the coming of and the returning of the living God. And as I said earlier, there are some who are not going to be ready for that. I've shared with some of you a conversation I had with a gentleman a while back who asked if COVID and all the things that are going on with COVID and all these things, are we in the end times, he asked me. Is this the end of the world? This person holds a couple of different degrees, including a doctorate, and he's asking me if I know if this is the end of the world. Isn't that odd? He would ask me that. He says, Pastor, is this the end? And I said, you're asking the wrong question. Every day is one day closer to the return of Jesus Christ. You can count on that. What you need to be asking is, when he shows up, am I going to be ready to go with him? The question is not if, but when. The question is, are you prepared? There's a lost and dying world out there. I'll say it until it changes, but every Sunday there are 300,000 people in the greater Katy area who do not have a church home, who don't even hear an inkling of a little bit of the truth that we pour out here on Sunday mornings. They're looking to fill relationship gaps that all of us have that we're still trying to fill with stuff and experiences and people and all these other things. And the relationship gap that needs to be filled is the relationship we have with our Creator. And that was made possible through us through the gift of Jesus who was born a virgin birth in a manger that made shepherds quit their jobs, walk off the job to go worship Him radically. I might entice you to think about Christmas a little different, perhaps, especially if you're in a place where we're so commercialized in what we do. For some, this has been a challenging financial year. For others, this has been a pretty good couple of financial years. It's been kind of interesting to hear how that worked out. But you might consider this year, instead of maybe giving gifts, you might do what a friend of mine did and said, hey, what we did with our children when they were a certain age, we gave them a certain amount of money and said, we want you to take this money and go do good with it. Go serve somebody else. Go help the homeless. Go give to the poor. I might suggest that you look at some of the alternatives that we have up here, that maybe this year, instead of buying gifts for one another, that you might consider helping out people who are helping move the gospel forward. People like the Pregnancy Help Center of West Houston that's all about saving babies. People like Katie Christian Ministries who will see thousands and thousands of people who need help in various areas. People like Living Water who drill water wells all over the world to give a cup of water in Christ's name. People like Compassion International who for $38 a month you can sponsor a child to see that they have just some of the basic necessities that they need. People like Hope Impacts that deal with our homeless right here in our very own city. Folks like Heifer International that allow you to buy bees and chickens and cows and stuff like that to give to a villager to start a micro-business. So they might just have an inkling 
about some of the things we do. Perhaps maybe you need to have some radical changes about how you worship. I'm going to give $38 a month to see a kid in uh, Burkini Faso. Abdul is, is our kid. I'm going to see that he gets taken care of for $38 a month this year. That's going to be our Christmas. That's what we're going to do to make sure that somebody's helping him out so that he gets to hear the word of God because I'm probably never going to meet the kid. But I know that Compassion International is going to be there to tell him the truth about God. Isn't that radically different? Isn't that an interesting way to respond to who God is and what he's done for me? That he's done for me so much that I'm going to go explore this for myself. And part of exploring this for myself is telling everybody about this Christ that came. And the way that I'm going to do that is I'm going to go see it. I'm going to experience that. And the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to worship him for who he is. Not for what he's given me, but for what he's done for me. That's a whole lot different. He gave his life for me. That's an action that we cannot imitate. That's an action that does not yield the same results. Consider alternatives this year as we worship fully, as we, we anticipate the return of Christ. We want as many people to know why he's coming back and who he's coming back for. So they're not asking the same question, is this the end? They're asking, hey, I'm ready. Why is he taking his time? Would it be awesome to wake up on Christmas morning and Jesus has come back? I won't know because I won't be there. If any of the rest of you are, will be broken for sure. I leave you this morning with this passage as the band comes up. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 tells us this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I know that sometimes I give you lots to think about and there's an exponential curve. I thought about it. I considered it. It's possible. I'm busy. Probably not going to happen. Forgot all about it. That's just how things are. And so I'm going to invite you an opportunity. This afternoon, I'm going to go over to our friend Lisa's house and put up her Christmas lights, which we've done for the last couple of years. So at 2.30 this afternoon, if anybody wants to join me, you're welcome to do so. Meet me after church. I'll text you her address, and I'll give you an opportunity to give back, to not do much, but just spend time blessing another one of our church members. Looking at this season is not just a time to give stuff, but a time to give my time, one of the most valuable things you have. If you can't make it, you can't make it. I get that. It's okay. But I'm going to put it right in front of you to say, hey, listen, there's an opportunity today for you to go and serve. Let's go serve somebody. Let's go demonstrate the love of Christ in our community, particularly to those within our body who just need an opportunity to celebrate this wonderful time of year. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we love you and we bless you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. God, I pray that our spiritual act of worship would indeed be giving of ourselves, of our time, of our talents, Lord. Father, of all the people of the stories we read this morning, I think it's the shepherds that really impressed me the most. God, don't let us get a hard heart about stuff this year, about money, about finances, about the commercialization of Christmas. Let's, let's, let's keep that in the right place, Lord, but let's remember to elevate Jesus in all that we do. And so, God, we worship you for who you are and what you've done for us. What a radical change to Christmas. What a radical change to Katie. 
want a radical change in this community could take place if we would just worship you fully. So, Father, let that begin with our hearts individually. Let that move forward into our households, into our neighbors, into our community. Father, we worship you today. For you are God alone and you did an amazing thing for us. And you gave us a gift we can never give back. Thank you, Lord, and thank you for Jesus in his name. Amen. This morning we're...